this podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Good. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the final part in our five-part series, Why the Ethereum Society. Firstly, what I'd like to do, actually, is just thank those of you who have been listening to this podcast out in what is referred to as podcast land uh, for taking the time, particularly those of you where it's been difficult to download. So thank you for your time and your interest and your feedback that we've received regarding these podcasts. Most of it, I'm happy to say, very favorable. Now, what we're going to do primarily this evening is just a recap of all the points that we have covered in the past four weeks. And that, as you will recall, begins with an understanding of our, of our true place in the cosmos. This is literally a critical time on this planet. And one will find, I had an email this, just this morning about the shift, somebody else talking about the shift. Many people are talking about a shift, a shift in consciousness, certainly in the whole New Age movement, uh, because it's, it's tangibly there, this shift. And the more that people begin to understand this shift and analyze it, the, the more it will be traced back to that one very significant date, July the 8th, 1964, because it is primarily about the Mother Earth. And so much of, well, certainly in the first class, was trying to comprehend our, not well, yes, our true place, if you like, in the cosmos, but how incredibly small we are. We've come to this point in our present civilization uh, with the belief that we are, if not the only intelligent life, certainly the most intelligent life. And it's been a very egocentric understanding of, of creation and an extremely limited, narrow understanding of God. I think that one can, certainly in terrestrial terms, only understand God if one can understand God at all. But, as I say, from terrestrial terms, from the perspective of cosmic consciousness, such as the Lord Buddha had, such as the Master Jesus had, certainly as Sri Krishna had. And indeed, in recent times, as Dr. George King had, which is, coming back to it all, why the Ethereum Society was founded at all in the first place. So we have traditionally had this incredibly limited understanding of who and what we are in this vast, incredible experience we call life within the universe. And I will just also say, I remember many years ago, it was actually back in 1984, when I was still in London, in England, reading an article by the late Soviet dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the philosopher. And I remember he, he, he said that the trouble is that the West has lost its consciousness of God. And I agreed with that, I still do agree with that, although I think it's applicable not just to the West, but to humanity as a whole. We have literally lost our consciousness of God. And to that extent, the, I would say that the Ethereum Society is so in human terms, so closely aligned 
to a new appreciation, a new understanding of what God is, as given to us by the cosmic masters in the cosmic teachings, uh, and as described so impeccably by the Master Jesus in the Twelfth Blessing. So that, as I say, was, was how we began by understanding how small this earth is, just within our own solar system. It's just a tiny fraction of 1% of the mass of this solar system. And this solar system is just one solar system amongst billions in this Milky Way, our galaxy. And this galaxy is just one galaxy amongst billions of galaxies. And this is what we're beginning to understand. And the possibility of life beyond this Earth is, is unquestionably there. But more importantly, what we've experienced through the Ethereum Society is there and is speaking to us and is speaking to us about God in an extremely spiritual way, not in any way a denigrating way or a belittling way, but to remind us that the divine is within us and within everything. Uh, we also covered previous civilizations of Atlantis, Lemuria, and before that, a planet which we had destroyed, namely Maldek. Then we moved into the present era, the splitting of the atom, Today, of course, is August the 8th. Tomorrow will mark the anniversary from 1945 of the dropping of the, the second of the atomic bombs. I believe the second one was on Nagasaki, the first in, on Hiroshima just a few days beforehand. And this was just a repetition of where we had been in those previous civilizations of Atlantis and Lemuria, which is why flying saucers became so commonly sighted in, in the skies around this earth. What they needed, of course, was someone who, through whom they could communicate. By karmic law, they couldn't just randomly come amongst us because that would have imposed themselves upon our own free will, which is contrary to the law of karma. But of, as you'll also remember perhaps from, from part one, there was one individual, namely a young man, Dr. George King, who by the age of 35, having practiced advanced forms of yoga for up to 10 hours a day for the previous 10 years, was able to go into a deep somatic yogic trance. And it was because of this that he was able to be contacted by beings from beyond this world. And the great message of the cosmic masters was given through him over the rest of the course of his life. That contact, of course first contact was on May the 8th, 1954, which we refer to as the command. It was literally a command that was given to him, prepare yourself, you are to become the voice of interplanetary parliament. Now the other aspect that we covered in the first class, of course, was the nine freedoms and the whole law of karma and reincarnation. As you sow, so shall you reap. And this just doesn't extend throughout this present life, but throughout our lives. And the accumulation of our karmic pattern in, in this life, as in previous lives, carries over to the next life. In this whole endless journey uh, of going back to God. 
And the reason that we're here on earth is literally to attain that state of cosmic consciousness. Well, we have, in terrestrial terms, the most complete understanding of God that we can have. And then that will lead to the initiation that is referred to of ascension, as demonstrated, of course, by Jesus. Just to go through those nine freedoms again, it begins with the, with the freedom of bravery, the necessity to honor the truth, to be prepared to stand up for the truth, to listen to one's conscience, to go against the grain. On which note, there's a, one of my favorite quotes is from the yoga master Vivekananda, who said, lies go with the wind, truth can go against the wind. And that really is a situation that the Ethereum society finds itself in even at this time. Because all of these concepts are new to humanity. Or I say all of these, many of them are new to humanity. Certainly in the sense of life beyond this earth and our whole spiritual journey uh, within our own solar system and the whole cosmic missions that Dr. King has introduced. This is all very, very new and when you have something as big as this, it's not something that people take to overnight. Anyway, the second freedom was the freedom of love, what arises out of that bravery, that innate bravery that is within us all, of standing up for the truth, honoring the truth, being prepared to, uh, if, if necessary, be unpopular. What is behind that is is the freedom and the energy of love. And when one combines bravery with love, it leads to a life of service, which is the third freedom. And when one is practicing those three aspects of the law, it will lead inevitably to enlightenment, which, as I say, is why we're all here. Part of which, again, is to raise the kundalini. Remember in that first class, the main reason that we're all here in this life is to raise the fluid of the kundalini up through the sushumna channel in the spine to the higher centers, the, the, the chakras. And it is said in the nine freedoms that when you serve, through service, this energy will rise in natural, unforced fashion and open the higher centers. And then we will be standing on the initiation into adeptship, the initiation into the fifth freedom of cosmic consciousness, which leads, when one can bring about that state at will, to ascension. And when one has ascension, one, is no, one has broken the cycle of karma and rebirth. And one is free, if one so chooses, to go beyond this earth to other planetary cultures within this solar system, or one can choose to remain on this earth and continue to help mankind hold the spiritual light, hold the karmic balance on this earth. And this is what makes up what is known as the spiritual hierarchy of earth, or the great white brotherhood, advanced ascended masters living in retreats upon this earth and have done for th countless thousands of years. So beyond interplanetary existence in the seventh freedom is Saturnian existence, 
And beyond Saturnian existence, the ninth freedom, if you will recall, is solar existence. The sun is a living being. Even the galaxy, as we're told in the, in the blessings, is a living being. And this is part of the whole message that the cosmic masters are bringing to humanity at this time. And one of those vehicles for bringing these teachings, of course, is the Aetherius Society. But we combine it with other aspects, which we will just cover in a moment. So it is a reorientation of thought that is taking place. It's extremely exciting. It's extremely challenging. And it is there for every one of us who is seeking, if you like, ultimately seeking God, seeking truth, and wants to be an active, take an active part, an active role in helping to bring this whole cosmic concept into the world. And speaking of the cosmic concept, that leads right into the 12 blessings, which Chrissy is going to now just briefly recap, as well as other things. Chrissy, good evening. Good evening. Well, I'm going to cover six years in the history of the Aetherius Society. And you'll see, when you listen to this six years, that it seems to be many lifetimes of, of activity is taking place. And after all, Dr. King said that time is a measurement of change. And I do believe that in this six years, and indeed in the history of the Aetherius Society, the, the relatively short history, thousands of years of change have taken place. And um, it's amazing that just one man, really, as Paul has said, Dr. George King, was at the center of all this. And I think it's important for us to think about that aspect, that he was the one on the physical plane, in a, the limitation of a terrestrial body, having to do this, having to push this great mission forward day after day, hour after hour, without any rest. A great spiritual juggernaut, if you like, that he was. He never um, took a, a breath, hardly, it seems. So the beginning of, of 1958 was, um, not the beginning, but in July 1958, the 12 blessings uh, were given, 12 consecutive Sundays. And they were given to this earth through Dr. George King as the channel by no lesser personage than the great avatar of love, the Master Jesus from the planet Venus. And he came not only to get, give this wonderful philosophical inspirational set of teachings as an extension of his Sermon on the Mount given 2,000 years previously, but also to introduce to earth for everyone who wanted to use this as, as a practice, a, a set of teachings and a practice, a spiritual practice that anyone can use, taking them only 10 or 15 minutes. And by doing this, they could release love, spiritual energy into the world. And interestingly, 1958 was the beginning of this effort, if you like, of the cosmic masters to release spiritual energy into the world through not only the 12 blessings, but through many other uh, of the missions and so on. So the cosmic masters and Dr. George King obviously understood this concept of spiritual energy and this need that we have in this world for more of this. What is spiritual energy? It's love, L-O-V-E. 
And they could see that's really what we needed. So a lot of these activities are designed to put love into the world and to get us to do the same. So the 12 blessings was a most powerful form of service. Given in 1958, according to the cosmic masters, it it was given 52 years sooner than was intended in the cosmic plan. And the cosmic plan I'm referring to, of course, is the, the great plan for peace and enlightenment that there is for this planet. And at times we may not realize it, but we are all part of this cosmic plan. And we can decide, each and every one of us, how active a part we wish to be. And then after that, in 1958 also, was the beginning of Operation Starlight, the holy mountains of the world, when Dr. George King once again was the center of this, and he had to physically climb 18 holy mountains throughout the world in order to be used as a channel again for the mountains to be charged by cosmic masters to make them forever cosmic power batteries so that mankind in the future could climb these holy places and again send out spiritual energy into the world. So this this mission, Operation Starlight, took three years and it began July the 23rd, 1958 and ended on August the 23rd, 1961. Now, of course, there was another phase where the 19th mountain was charged, Mount Kilimanjaro, by a member of the Great White Brotherhood, a senior member, the Master Saint Guling. So this was a very physically arduous mission. The Master, Dr. King, didn't know at the time how many mountains were going to be charged. The first nine of these were in, in Great Britain. And there are reasons for this. And I, I'll just quickly go through the different mountains. And before I do, I have to say that spiritual energy, at that time, it was, it was difficult for humanity to get spiritual energy in the way that they can now. Because don't forget, after the fall, if you remember, after the fall of Lemur- the civilizations of Lemuria and Atlantis, what happened? The ring past knot was put up. The ionosphere was, was densened, it was thickened. Um, and this meant that it was more difficult for humanity to reach up and get the great inspirations to bring through themselves the spiritual energy. So the Holy Mountains was a way of, of providing these great cosmic power batteries in a very accessible form. All you had to do was go up to these mountains, and some of them were very easy to climb, such as Holston Down in in uh, Britain, we don't even like to call it a mountain, actually. It's kind of a hill, isn't it? And send out power from there. So in Great Britain, we have Holston Down, North Devonshire, Brown Willey in Cornwall, Ben Hope in Scotland, Craig and Lethchain in Scotland, the old man Coniston in the Lake District, uh, Penny Fan in Wales, Carnath Llewellyn in Wales, Kinder Scout, which is in the Peak District of England, and Yes Tor which is um, Devon. Cornwall? Devon. Dartmoor. It's Devon in the West Country. In the USA, Dr. King was then instructed to come to the Americas. And again, he he didn't know what was happening at the time. And there he climbed Mount Baldy, which is just in our backyard here in California, one hour away from Los Angeles. And the Ethereum Society makes regular pilgrimages here every month in the summer, so do join us. 
Mount Tallac in Northern California, Mount Adams in New Hampshire, and Castle Peak in Colorado, which is more difficult to climb. Australia, we have Mount Kosciuszko, Mount Ramshead. New Zealand is Mount Wakefield. Switzerland, Medrigaflua. have been to that one myself. Uh, France, Le Nid d'Aigle. So this, we are told by the cosmic masters, was the greatest metaphysical task ever undertaken on Earth in this, her present life. That was the master of theorists said that. It just kind of makes you breathless just to think about it. That took place in three years on a shoestring. Uh, Dr. King had no mountaineering experience, and some of these mountains were climbed in the middle of winter, even over Christmas and really, really difficult weather. Um, I've been to some of the, well, most of the English ones, and certainly Ben Hope, climbing that in the winter is, is no joke, very dangerous. And the Craig and Leth chain, these are very, very dangerous mountains. He had a, a small team with him and very little money. And, of course, he didn't realize at the time just how important this mission was going to be. But one particularly important phase was the one in Brown Willey in Cornwall in England. And if you can make it to this mountain, it's quite easy to climb, but it's a very, very mysterious place. And it's actually the only holy mountain with a dual-charged spot. There's a a positive spot and a negative spot, masculine-feminine. There's two uh, poles to the charge. It's very interesting. Well, on this during this phase, just after the charge, and this was a very exhausting thing, if you can imagine, for Dr. King. Tremendous energies were poured through him by the cosmic masters into the mountain, into the crystalline structure of the mountains, making these like these great power batteries holding this charge. So you can imagine, well, you probably can't imagine, the exhaustion. Well, after the phase on Brown Willey, November the 23rd, 1958, Uh, he received another tremendously significant occurrence, and that was the giving of a transmission, a cosmic transmission, by a lesser lord of karma. And this is called the Lord's Declaration. And it was about the coming of another master to this planet. And I'll just uh, read this to you. It's quite short. Not only did he take this transmission, but... You also had to remember it, as Paul pointed out. Um, And this was, there will shortly come another among you. He will stand tall among men with a shining countenance. This one will be attired in a single garment of the type now known to you. His shoes will be soft-topped, yet not made of the skin of animals. He will approach the earth leaders. They will ask of him his credentials. He will produce these. His magic will be greater than any upon the earth, greater than the combined materialistic might of all the armies, and they who heed not his words shall be removed from the earth. This rock is now holy and will remain so for as long as the world exists. Go ye forth and spread my word throughout the world so that all men of pure heart may prepare for his coming. We don't know when another master is coming to this earth, but we do know that it will happen. So another thing about the, the holy mountains i just like to say is that there is, we are told, a subterranean link between the mountains so that when we go to a holy mountain to pray and send out 
power and light and love into the world, which anyone can do, then it activates all the holy mountains. So this tremendous activation of, of spiritual energy is taking place for the benefit of mankind as a whole. Just now briefly go on to another activity, which is the activity of satellite number three during the spiritual pushes. This actually, the first spiritual push actually did start a year before that, um, sorry, three years before the 1958 date I gave. We are told that the first one in modern times was given in 1955. And satellite number three, too, was here for the purpose of putting more spiritual energy into the world through us, through humanity, as cooperators. At specific times each year, called spiritual pushes or magnetization periods, satellite number three comes into orbit of this Earth and other planets as well, we are told, at 1,550 miles from the surface. This satellite is invisible to radar, and its sole purpose is to radiate spiritual energy to anyone on Earth, no matter their religious belief or any, or any at all, who can use this energy in a selfless manner. In other words, if there's somebody helping somebody on any point of the Earth or doing spiritual practices, energy will be beamed down on them by the cosmic masters, the controllers of satellite number three, intensifying the effect of their actions by 3,000 times. So this is a tremendous gift that has been given to humanity since 1955, and which, again, anyone can avail themselves of. All the things that Paul and I are talking about are not for the Ethereum society. They are for humanity as a whole, and I think this is very important. You don't have to change your religious beliefs to cooperate with satellite number three, to go to the holy mountains, even to perform the 12 blessings. So these spiritual pushes are going on every year, and the Ethereum Society in particular around the world cooperates very intensively with these spiritual pushes through power circles, through 12 blessing services, but so can you too do this in your own homes. Another mission that took place, and this was 1963, was Operation Blue Water. Again, Dr. George King was a central figure of this and all the missions. And this mission, we are told, had to be done at the time prior to the initiation of Earth. If you remember, that was July the 8th, 1964. And it had to be done because there was a warp of existing magnetic fields in the Earth's orbit around the sun. And, of course, we didn't know about this on Earth, but the cosmic masters were aware of this. And this warp, which was a product of our wrong thought and action over many centuries, had prevented a certain um, intermingling of subtle forces uh, with pranas from the sun. And so Operation Blue Water was performed over a psychic center of Earth, which was, um, the psychic center was under seawater, and it had to be performed by Dr. King in a boat, uh, which had to be specially prepared, and um, 
He underwent very, very intricate maneuvers in this boat over this psychic center while the cosmic masters beamed down energy into the psychic center of Earth. And um, this energy was collected and conditioned and radiated through instrumentation into this psychic center, which is located actually um, off uh, the coast uh, around Newport Beach in California. So this was another very, very important uh, mission undertaken by Dr. King and the Cosmic Masters and helped by a, a handful of people who helped to prepare the boat and very, very intensive work done again on a shoestring. This was all leading up to the great day, the primary initiation of Earth, which was the beginning, really, of the great change, which Paul mentioned. And during this time, the Earth, of course, was given more energy since her inception as a planet. This was her long overdue initiation. She had held up her initiation because of us, because we weren't ready, if you like. Well, we're still not ready, but she'd held it up and held it up until the great ones finally said no, she had to undergo this initiation. She couldn't sacrifice this herself any longer. And this great primary initiation took place, and this was masterminded by great cosmic forces like Mars Sector 6 and the great lords from the Sun and Saturn and other tremendously elevated cosmic masters. And, of course, we are very, very fortunate in the Aetherius Society to have access to the actual transmission of the event as it happened, thanks to Dr. George King, who acted as the um, channel for this tremendously occultly important happening in the history of Earth and the history of all of us. So you might say, well, how do I get hold of this? How do I listen to this transmission? How do I learn more about it? One way to listen to the transmission is to become a member of the Ethereum Society, and then you do have access to actually listening to the activities that took place on July the 8th, 1964, which we celebrate every year. And now I'm going to hand over to Paul, who's going to talk about another phase in the history of the Ethereum Society and the history of the world. So this, this one I've talked about was really one of tremendous spiritual energies being given to the earth, being given to humanity to use. The next, mission, the next phase of the mission, which Paul will talk about, is a very different one. Which is what came out of July the 8th, 1964. You mentioned there, Chrissy, you know, how does one get to hear this particular transmission that was given on July the 8th, 1964. We refer to it as the day the gods came. And as Chrissy said, well, you need to become a member of the Ethereum Society, uh, which is perfectly true. In fact, you need to become a member initiate of the Ethereum Society to hear that transmission, uh, which is something we may be able to cover a little bit later this evening. The same is also true <coughs> of the alien mission, the Gotham mission, and Operation Carmelite. These are transmissions which Dr. King took in the 1960s following the initiation of Earth. The alien mission was 27 phases. 
of the adepts. Remember in class three where we talked about the adepts, masters from another world, going into the lower astral realms of this earth. And each of these phases, these sorties by the adepts, was recorded in a commentary given by the master, Ethereus, who literally oversaw what was taking place and gave an absolutely brilliant description of the unfoldment of, firstly, as I say, the alien mission. And some of us here tonight have had the opportunity, as member initiates of the Ethereum Society, to hear the alien mission, which has only been played twice before. And it is given by initiation. It's, it was said at the time when the alien mission was first played in 1989, it was said by the master Ethereus that tapes like these have never been played before, not even in the secret retreats of the Great White Brotherhood. Because something like the alien mission had never taken place before. But for those of us who have heard the alien mission, and likewise, the Go- none of us have heard the Goth mission that will be played for the first time later this year. But for those of us who have heard the alien mission and the Operation Carmelite tapes, which was 24 phases, they only strengthen the reasons why one is a part of the Ethereum society. It's incredibly deep and occult. It's as, it's as deep as one will find on this earth. The Ethereum Society is literally the deep end of the whole New Age movement uh, with, with these teachings. But I think that the important thing is to, is to test them, at least begin with an open mind. Because initially, yes, it is very difficult to comprehend such concepts as an alien intelligence, taking it for real. It's much more the, the, the stuff of science fiction. But coming back to opening the door which is taking place and shedding light on this earth for literally the first time in hundreds of thousands of years. We are, as I say, discovering how small we are, and yet beyond us there is a whole cosmic plan unfolding. And we are slowly, gradually, bit by bit, as much as we can take, as much as we individually choose being introduced to it. And it is greater than any of us can possibly conceive of. And yet, examine it, test it. And certainly in our case, the case of myself and Chrissy, it's proven itself over and over again. The 12 blessings alone, the practice of the 12 blessings, have proven themselves, which is a wonderful way to start, by the way. But anyway, yes, the alien mission was a mission that arose out of the initiation of Earth when this alien android from, an al- from another galaxy was awakened from its dormancy. It had been on the lower astral realms of this Earth for many centuries, many, many centuries. But the energies given to the Earth awakened it, and it began it to, to its whole plan for initially enslavement of this Earth It was something completely without feeling. It was literally alien. In every sense of the word, it was alien, utterly alien to our comprehension. And yet it was there and it was real. And it was one of the main reasons that the adepts 
the three adepts came to this world and took on a physical body. And, of course, during the alien mission, the adepts were made up to five. But the adept Nixie, what well, these are referred to as adept Nixie 004 and adept Nixie 005, did not have the time to go through that whole process of being born as a child through, through the womb of a woman and, and growing up in the conventional sense that we understand. They came already as, as, as adepts. And for this reason, they inhabit the, the higher realms of this earth. And it would only be fleetingly on this, on this physical plane. Anyways, you will perhaps recall, if you heard the third Wide Ethereum Society class, they, the adults were successful in the alien mission. This was monitored by another planetary uh, system within our galaxy, the Gotha system, 35,000 light years away was the center of the Milky Way. And the Gotha masters requested the adepts to go to their assistance because they had a similar situation upon their own, upon the system of Gotha. The adepts, of course, accepted, gave assistance to the system of Gotha, and again were successful. And this led to initially two, later three masters from that planetary system offering their assistance to the adepts. And these masters, their offer was accepted, and these masters came and likewise inhabit the higher realms of this earth and participate in one of the cosmic missions of the Ethereum Society, Operation Sunbeam, which Chrissy will just look at again in a moment. So, again, these concepts are extremely... Um, um, what can one say? Initially difficult to grapple with. It's, it's, it's stuff that we're not taught in school. In fact, the only way you can really begin to examine it is by, as I say, taking an open mind and seeing if there is any element of truth to it. Does it, is it possible? How feasible is it? Speak to people like myself and Chrissy and others in the Ethereum Society who have, as I say, heard the alien mission and the, and the emissions of the adepts into the lower astral realms. Because I think, certainly speaking for myself, and I'm sure I speak for Chrissy as well, these are the greatest things we have heard. And I think one could say they are more real than we are. Our life is all about change. This physical body will die. There's a wonderful saying, we are not human beings who have occasional spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings who have occasional human experiences. And there is a vast, vast, unlimited universe out there, way beyond our puny understanding. Anyway, we also covered Operation Carmelite, which is the result of all the negative karma on this earth throughout our previous civilizations. Where does all that energy go? All that negative thought, all that crime, all that hate, all those lies, all that deception, all that murder, mass murder, all that war. 
as I say, every form of crime, where does that energy go? And it, it goes to beings on the lower astral realms and feed it back to us in our ignorance like pawns, thus perpetuating crime and disease and war and murder and ignorance on this physical realm. All generated, as I say, by black magicians on the lower astral realms, which had to be cleaned out, at least the transmutation of the individual known throughout the centuries as Satan had to be transmuted. Because, of course, July the 8th, the initiation of Earth, and the shift that everybody's taking about, there is a cleansing process. There is a raising of consciousness taking place. And these lower astral realms had to be cleansed. They cannot continue into the future. And that is what Operation Carmelite was all about. Again, fought by the adepts under extreme limitation because it was really, as said at the time, a war we should have fought. This was energy mankind had put there. This was our karma. It wasn't the adepts' karma. They were acting on our behalf because we were, would have been pretty defenseless against the extreme negativity that we have accrued on the lower astral realms. So that was Operation Carmelite, another vital piece of the jigsaw puzzle of the great changes that are taking place on Earth at this time. And we, in all three cases, or certainly in the alien mission and Operation Carmelite, were bystanders while we slept. There's a wonderful transmission. We played a very, very short extract of that, a transmission given on the outset of Operation Carmelite by the Master Jesus called The Three Saviors Are Here. So that was part three in this whole series, and as I say, a vital aspect of the changes on Earth, but also what makes the Ethereum Society so unique. I say, as I say, this is the very deep end of the whole New Age movement, the Ethereum Society. It is for real. It is serious. It's very serious. But it's powerful. And for those of us who take the t time and trouble to investigate it with a sincere heart, literally with bravery in point of fact, <clears throat> one will find a tremendous light as one proceeds <clears throat> down this <clears throat> whole journey of discovery into the wonderful transformation that is taking place on this earth at this time. Now, the, the other aspect which makes the Ethereum Society so unique besides these missions of the adepts and the cosmic teachings, are missions of the Ethereum Society, which, of course, we covered last week in part four. And Chrissy is going to briefly just recap on four of those, five of those, sorry. Yes, this is another aspect of Dr. King's mission, a different aspect again. And you've got to understand that some of these different aspects were running simultaneously too, because what Paul was talking about uh, was happening in the the 60s and the prime initiation of Earth and all this. But this aspect, starting with the missions, started in 1959. So these things were happening at the same time. Well, this, this aspect is Dr. King as the inventor, the radionic scientist, 
the astro-metaphysician. And out of his great knowledge and skill and ability and his compassion for humanity too, he invented several missions. And the first of these was Operation Space Power. We actually have now Operation Space Power 1 and 2, but I'll just talk about the first part of this, Operation Space Power 1. And if you think again about satellite number 3, and remember I mentioned that if there's somebody on Earth who's sending healing or prayers, then satellite number three will beam down on that person and intensify the results of their efforts. And more spiritual energy is released and the karmic pattern of mankind is improved in that respect. Well, Dr. King invented a piece of equipment, radionic equipment, called a spiritual energy radiator. And if you like to think of it like this, as a person but a highly advanced, a very evolved person, an adept, who this piece of machinery is able to radiate energy, just like an adept or a master is able to radiate great powers of, of, of love and so forth. This machinery was invented in such a way that the cosmic masters on satellite number three can put a beam onto the spiritual energy radiators and great, en great spiritual energy is then released into the world. So it's almost like a, a very, very advanced person. And in fact, so, so powerful is this equipment that uh, certainly initially, and this may be even more so now with the advent of the new spiritual energy radiators, we know that 6,120 prayer hours are released during one evening as three hours of operation of these spiritual energy radiators um, in cooperation with satellite number three. So during every spiritual push, every night, wherever there are spiritual energy radiators around the world, and they are here in Los Angeles, in London, in New Zealand, um, this energy is flowing through them. And this is a very, very important mission. The spiritual energy radiators were invented by Dr. King and they're operated by initiates who have taken lifetime oaths because these are very important and very powerful pieces of equipment for the world. Operation Space Power 2 is slightly different. So all this energy is, being, is going through the, uh, the machines, through the radiators, to the world. And it then needs to be used by, my, by mankind and, of course, some of it isn't used. And that energy, we, are to we were told quite a few years ago, that the energy is actually held for mankind uh, by cosmic masters in what's called central control. So, in other words, the energy is not wasted even though it's not used. And this, like all uh, spiritual energy, like all love energy, it has the power of accumulation. So, in other words, it grows it's like putting money in an interest account. You know, you might get 5% and you feel happy. If you get 10%, you feel really happy. But spiritual energy has the same kind of properties in that you put it together and it grows and accumulates and gets more and more. So this energy that's held for mankind in central control by the cosmic masters is growing, is accumulating. And so we have this tremendous amount, millions of prayer hours of energy, which is used in Operation Space Power 2 for world emergencies and is often being discharged 
Um, all it, well, actually, uh, yes, because it, you remember last week we were still in a spiritual push and we were operating our spiritual energy radiator during this class as it was being given. That, of course, was what we call space, Operation Space Power, as in Space Power 1. Tonight, a spiritual push ended um, on Sunday. Here we are on Wednesday, Wednesday the 8th. But the spiritual energy radiator here in Los Angeles is running right again as we speak at this time uh, using Operation Space Power 2 energy to assist in the relief effort that is taking place following the ter- terrible flooding in, in Asia, in India, in Nepal and Bangladesh. And that is how we use this energy held by central control on our behalf to help bring relief in emergency situations or one of the ways in which it is used. Another mission, a very important one, Operation Sunbeam, started in 1966 with Phase 1. And again, Dr. King invented this mission. He invented it out of his great compassion and love for the Mother Earth, whom he realized was a tremendously advanced uh, life form, a goddess, on which we live, and kind of, and mankind took for granted and took everything we needed to live and continue without any thought of repayment or thankfulness, except for a, maybe a handful of people. And he invented Operation Sunbeam as a way of giving back a token from mankind to the Mother Earth. And this is an amazing concept. And what this does, it it performs a great karmic manipulation. So in other words, if you were sitting there and you were sending prayers of thanks to the Mother Earth, then that would improve your karma. It It wouldn't be anything that the Earth would need because she's such a great goddess. But it would help you if you do that. But Operation Sunbeam being so powerful in that energy is sent directly into the psychic centers of the Mother Earth through specialized equipment again, and all the details of this were given in a previous class. It performs a tremendous karmic manipulation, a positive one, uh, which improves the karma of mankind as a whole. So not only is, was Dr. King concerned with getting spiritual energy into the world, but also of manipulating karma. He had a tremendous understanding of the law of karma and realized and taught that nothing is inevitable. You know, the old concept of karma is like, well, that's your karma and that's it and there's nothing you can do with it about it because it's just your karma. Well, he came along and said, no, that might be your karma, but if you, if you work in positive ways, you can actually change that in so-called inevitable result and manipulate it, transform it. And so he brought in this tremendously new concept of karma, if you like. And Operation Sunbeam is a great example of that. And phases have been continuing over 600 phases since 1966 and will continue into the future again. It's run by um, trained initiates um, who have taken oaths and realized the importance of this mission. Operation Prayer Power, another mission. It kind of makes you breathless just to go through all this. This was started a little later. 1973 was the first phase of Operation Prayer Power. This is a a different concept again. Again, involved instrumentation. Uh, Radionic instrumentation invented by Dr. King. But 
the idea of this one is that people, ordinary people like you and I can take part in this. And Operation Prayer Power is held in centers around the world. And every week, people join together and they, through doing mantra and through doing prayer, they actually send the spiritual energy into a piece of this instrumentation, a spiritual energy battery, it's called. And the energy is held, it's contained within this battery. And as I mentioned just now, when energy is contained, it has the quality of accumulating, of growing. And it's, it's concentrated there, it's, it's contained there, and then it can be attached to another piece of instrumentation, the spiritual energy radiator, and sent out uh, to the world to help relieve suffering as it has done over the years, and also in cooperation uh, with satellite number three. So this is a mission that anyone can take part in. And he, he um, inaugurated this in England on Holston Down. I was there actually on June the 30th, 1973. And it's held now in five centers around the world. That's Los Angeles, California, every Thursday, in London, in the north of England, in Auckland, New Zealand, and in Michigan. And so this is a wonderful mission. And it's something I believe that anyone who believes in the power of prayer really should investigate, should come along and observe. Um, the Master Etherius later in a transmission called Important Declaration of Truth to Terror said that now Operation Prayer Power is not only a cosmic mission, which Operation Sunbeam is too, but it is part of the karmic necessities for mankind, and he even said that one can only go so far in their evolution now without taking part in Operation Prayer Power. So, in other words, unless you at some point participate in this mission, you won't be able to go any further in your evolution, part of the karmic necessities for the whole of mankind. That's how important it is, this great healing mission. Finally, uh, the Saturn mission very, very briefly, uh, is a great mission performed by the great masters that do live on, uh, on the planet Saturn. And this mission was for world peace and devic stabilization. It was started in 1981 in Scotland. Um, this amazing mission has continued to bring great benefit to mankind, and we are told that 90,000 people are saved from death and mutilation per phase of the mission. And over 50 phases have been performed since it began in 1981. It was originally performed uh, by Dr. George King while he was alive and now is performed by a small team of people in London and Los Angeles. It's not actually performed in Los Angeles, but the people are here in London and Los Angeles. So that's another great mission. Uh, Paul, I remember, talked about that in some depth in the last week, and I, I do urge you to listen to that again. It's very interesting, actually, about some of the results that we believe have um, come as a result of the Saturn mission. As with any spiritual work, it's very hard to, to prove results, whether it's healing or whether it's global healing. It's very, very difficult to prove them, but I think... 
the the examples you gave last week were certainly very interesting and worth listening to. So I now hand back to Paul to um, tie up this lecture tonight. Well, are there any questions on anything that we've covered so far? Yeah, thank you, Mary. Mary, I'm glad you asked that question. Mary is just pointing out that about Operation Prayer Power and all the missions to some extent. What about the people who don't have a chance to, you know, attend a center, don't live far, you know, live too far away or can't help? Well, there are many ways to help. Financial support, prayers, um, helping to tell people about the mission. You know, it's all putting energy into the mission as ways to help um, people to become more aware of it. But of course, ideally, if you can move near to a center, then do, you know, why not? Because um, it's that important. If you regard your spiritual path as important, then why not do so if you can? Not everybody can, of course. And not everybody is physically able to come. But as, as, as we say, there's many, many ways you can help. So that's a very good question. Thank you, Mary. All right. Well, that's, that, that's really uh, everything that we've covered up until this point. What I'd actually like to do now before we just sort of bring all of this together is, Mark, if you could play extract number one, which is from a transmission given by the Master Ethereus on the 18th of June, 1960, and it's called The New World, A Message for America. Go you on, bravely. When you do so, you may know that there are greater ones than yourselves watching every move. Ones who someday you will meet face to face. They will not judge you, but they will be in a position to reward you for your service and sacrifice. To those who are on the brink of indecision at the moment, deciding whether it shall be this or that, confused in their minds, I would state this. Careful examination of our previous appeals to Teram will show you in the light of logical reason that they cannot uh, be wrong, that they are based upon a common sense and a knowledge of the great laws, the all-pervading laws which are God, if a common sense it tells you this. Common sense should also tell you that now is your chance to come forward and act for your earth. One thing that Dr. King often said, well he said several times, 
was that in all of his own visitations to the other realms, to which he projected many times, he often would encounter people on the other realms who wish they could have had their life again because they're now in a position to see what the whole purpose of their life was about and how they had, to a very large extent, misused it or perhaps even completely wasted it by so limiting themselves, limiting their concept, limiting their understanding of what life really is. Life is, life is the most precious gift that we can ever have. It goes way beyond the limitations that we have imposed upon ourselves. And when one is free from this physical realm, one has the opportunity to see that in a much clearer light. And that, as I say, is why he encountered so many people filled with remorse for how they had misspent, if you like, their life. We, we, we are pleasure seekers. We are comfort seekers. And there's an extract from a transmission given by St. Guling, actually in the Twelve Blessings, where he says, no initiate became an initiate because he liked comfort. And this is so and will always be so. Now that having been said, it's not as though we in the Ethereum Society go out of our way to create discomfort. But there, is, but there is a line of moderation, and there are certainly priorities that one can make and take in one's life. And in the Ethereum Society, we are very much about service. In, what, in, in varying degrees, it's up to each of us how, how much of a role we wish to play, to play, how much service we wish to give. Again, when asked how often we should practice the 12 blessings, St. Guling, this elevated member of the Great White Brotherhood, replied, well, 24 hours a day. That is actually how often we should be giving service. If we, were, if we really understood what all of this life is about, then we would give service to that extent. Much like Mother Teresa, much like Mahatma Gandhi, much like St. Francis of Assisi, much like all the great saints. Their lives became one of absolute of service. And at the same time, the, they were incredibly inspired and happy people, joyful people, filled with realization. Service is, is a wonderful path to take. Now, in the Ethereum Society, as I say, there are various levels of commitment. First of all, I should say, this is a non-profit organization. It's a spiritual brotherhood with members all around the world, entirely voluntary. People become a member of their own volition. They are free to leave, if they should choose to leave, of their own volition. There is no coercion. There is no pressure either way. We are a band of human beings representing many different nationalities, many different backgrounds, all the ages, but people who, number one, find a, a truth and a resonance in the cosmic teachings, and number two, wish to be of service to the world in a way that they find to be the most potent way of being of service that they possibly can. We have initially people who choose to become a friend of the Ethereum Society. 
and this is for a subscription of $10 a year, where they receive our monthly information release and our journal Cosmic Voice, just to give them an education to a certain extent in what we're all about, to help explain our teachings to a certain extent, our missions, what we're doing on a, on a day-by-day, month-by-month basis. Now, obviously, one is required to investigate the teachings. Nobody, we don't accept anybody who just says, I'd like to be a member of your organization. The minimum that we require people to do is read the nine freedoms and listen to Dr. King's lecture called The Cosmic Plan, either on CD or or on cassette tape, to give them just a basic understanding of what the Ethereum Society is about. Because the Ethereum, it's, it's not something to be, it's, it certainly isn't anything to be taken lightly, membership in the Ethereum Society. And I know a lot of people, and myself included on the whole, don't like joining groups. Why do I want to join a group? Why do I need to join a group? Well, I remember it being put to me once in a, in a very good way. If you take one stick, it's easy to break it across your knee. But if you take a bundle of sticks, you, it's very difficult to break across your knee. We are stronger by being together. We are, by being one group, we are stronger than all the individual parts. And in that way, we are able to literally send out more energy and to bring a certain protection upon ourselves because there, we're living in a hostile world. And our mission is, is totally about making the planet a better place based on, on, on spiritual truth, based on the teachings of the Master Jesus, based on the teachings of the Lord Buddha and Sri Krishna, all the masters, based on very traditional t- teachings and values, but at the same time recognizing the whole cosmic concept and the, the recognition that the Mother Earth is a living being. So for anybody who wishes to, be, to become a member of the Ethereum Society, as having made a preliminary investigation of these teachings, there is an annual fee of $60 a year. And if people are in financial hardship, then that's something that n- nobody, I should say, has ever been prevented from becoming a member because of financial hardship. Uh, we welcome people who wish to be of service in these ways. Uh, then within the Ethereum Society, Chris, Chris, you mentioned the, the missions, how these are performed by people within the Ethereum Society who have taken a, an oath of secrecy to regarding this, the apparatus that we use and the various aspects of these missions. These are staff members, people who, who wish to make a greater commitment to the Ethereum Society by joining our staff team, which is giving up of a considerable amount of one's uh, so-called free time. But, you know, in the greater analysis, what is free time? What exactly do we mean by free time? Free from what? It's really just free to be able to extend our own free will in our own personal pursuits. But in the light of greater reason, in the light of wishing to advance oneself, to evolve, to raise the kundalini, one will make the choice to give up elements of one's free will 
to be more involved, more actively engaged in service. Because as I say, we are a non-profit charitable organization. And we, to, to get all of the day-to-day -day things done that require any organization to operate, we, we depend on the staff. And this is a voluntary staff. We have a very small uh, full-time staff on a, on a salary. Obviously not a large corporate salary, but on a salary. But most of are voluntary who come in in the evenings and at weekends to help the whole work and missions of the Ethereum Society. So that is how we're made up. We have a headquarters here, obviously, in, in Los Angeles. We have another one in London. We have branches and groups throughout the world. But it is totally, it's, it's, as I say, it's made up of all kinds of individuals who, as I say, recognize the cosmic teachings and wish to be of service to the world in the best way that they feel that they can at this time by supporting the cosmic missions which are the primary way of being of service, also through the practices of the 12 blessings, which is an incredibly potent form of service. And through attending mission, things like Operation Prayer Power, which is Operation Prayer Power, I remember when I first, it's a bit like giving blood, except you're giving, you're giving your spiritual energy. It's a, it's a very, very unselfish mission. Incredible! There's, there's no one isn't paid to come here. You're giving up of your time to invoke spiritual energy through mantra and prayer and give it to the world. But it's you see the, the the karmic importance, the fact that that energy that is invoked in Operation Prayer Power is manipulated, for want of a, another word or a better word, uh, but is used by uh, the beings on satellite number three, masters from beyond this earth. Mars Sector 6, who uh, on satellite number three, is a lord of karma. So we are cooperating with a lord of karma. However uh, uh, ridiculous that may appear, that may seem, but the evidence f for Operation Prayer Power, for the, for, for, the, for the evidence of the power of prayer, for that matter, proves itself that this is an incredibly powerful force. And as I say, in Operation Prayer Power, that energy is being wielded by a lord of karma. So to be able to participate in, 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 in a mission that is, has that hallmark on it, that stamp, makes it incredibly powerful, beyond what really we deserve by the law of karma. We don't really deserve that kind of karmic intervention. And yet that intervention is in large part due to individuals such as Dr. George King and the adepts, certainly the three adepts. So now, Chrissy, can you just explain a little bit about how this is a path of service, a spiritual path of service to the world? Oh, I, I was just going to say, actually, that... Um You've talked, Paul, very eloquently about how the Ethereum Society is set up and, and so on. I just wanted to say more about it from a sort of a metaphysical point of view, I suppose, in that it's have to think of it as a group soul because all of us are in group souls, our families when we're born, and then we enter other group souls throughout our lifetime, either willingly or unwillingly, 
where we work and, and so on. And sometimes we join organizations, as though, although Paul said, and this is very true, that uh, most people in the Assyrian Society don't like joining anything, and this is very true. But um, when we have the opportunity to join an organization like the Ethereum Society, we're not just here on the physical realm, although it's very important, and the, the headquarters and branches and all the degrees of membership that Paul talked about. And members who are literally operating alone. It's not, you know, one, many members just live in isolation, relatively speaking. Yeah. You don't have to belong to a group, go to a local group or whatever, because we don't have groups spread all over, certainly this country. Exactly. But we're also part of something much bigger on the higher mental realms. And so this is one group soul that we are, have the opportunity to join and to be a part of. And, you know, if somebody gave you the opportunity to join an organization that was, I don't know, selling drugs to children, then you wouldn't want anything to do with that. You wouldn't want to be part of that group soul because you know instinctively or consciously that you're partaking in the the negative karma of what that organization is doing. And yet we have the opportunity of joining something that has performed all these missions and done all this activity and is a wonderful group soul on the higher mental realms too. And so we can partake of the wonderfully positive karma of this organization. We, we are operating with the masters. Exactly. Masters on this earth and masters beyond, the, uh, beyond this earth. The, that is what you're doing as a member of this organization. You are, it is, as Chrissy's pointed out, it's, it's an incredibly powerful group soul. And one feels it as a member. And uh, I know from having spoken to people who've left and come back um, because they miss the energy and just the consciousness being a part of this group. Um, but again, as I have to reiterate, there's no... Um, there's no, there's obviously natural, no pressure. We don't recruit. We never have recruited. No, we, w- and we never will. Only people who want to be a part of the Ethereum Society. You have to want to. But Paul and I, I think we're sharing our enthusiasm because it's a decision we made, gosh, a long time ago, many, many years ago. And it's one that we are so pleased that we made. I mean, I sort of thank God every day that... Um, I became a member of this organization, and I did investigate a lot of different paths and organizations and religious philosophies, and I didn't just jump into this from nothing, and Paul neither. Likewise, likewise. And, um, but this was like such a transformative, such a wonderful path, and the feeling that of fulfillment and joy, and um, it really is something that I, I believe people... I'm so glad that they do. When I they remember actually also uh, Dr. George King saying, on, on again, at least one occasion, but he would point to the door and he said, there's the door. I mean, if you want to go, go. And he would say, there's a whole world out there. And there is literally, there's a whole world out there. Go, you know, if, if you can find better, go and find it. But I think, well, in, in, I think he said that because he knew that you know, sooner or later you'd, you'd wind your way back here again. So it's not just about us, it's about very elevated people on the higher mental realms too, and we're a part of this. And also another aspect too is that so many people, they want to find a master, you know, which is great, and I too did. But if you become a member of the Ethereum Society, you accept too Dr. George King as your master, and he's not just 
any old master. And here is a cosmic master. Here's a very uh, advanced personage, as I think you will have realized after hearing about the massive and amazing body of work, his mission. Um, and him as a person too, both Paul and I knew him on that personal level. And so anyone who joins, even though he's no longer with us, still become part of, if you like, his ashram, and always will do, of the Ethereum Society as his organization. And many people who've just joined recently say that they feel that. That's one thing that they do feel, that he is their master. And it's a wonderfully um, inspiring of him. thought. You've already had dreams. Uh, three days ago, and I've just been exposed to this for like a couple of months. Three days ago, I couldn't believe. There he is, and he is like about maybe, I don't know, like 55 years old. He's dressing this clothes, and he's... I was like, when I woke up, I said to myself, I said, what is going on? I said, how could this be? I never met the man. I mean, it was... I was like, I couldn't believe it. It's like... Brain, how did you do this? <laughs> and there Mary, you go. Mary was sharing her experience of a very vivid dream with Dr. Yes, King. Yes. And is Mary as a, a, a new member? Very right. new. And you Chris, do you have any more to add? No, I, I have no more to add. The, the only thing I have to add is that coinciding with the teachings and the missions of the Ethereum Society are the yogic practices that we also have. Dr. King taught many of these, the system of pranayama, yoga breathing. He initiated us into at least 11 mantras uh, that we use um, of course, the 12 blessings is a very powerful spiritual practice. And there are other practices that we also use, visualization exercises. In fact, he said that any, any mystical, uh, mystic school would use yoga breathing, mantra, and visualization. And the 12 blessings given in 1958, due to have been given, of course, in 2010, is just another incredibly powerful aspect to that whole mix so that uh, mark, mark could you please just uh, end this by playing the last extract uh, the second extract also from the from the new world by the master Ethereus. to those who totally a disbelieve in our existence, in our message, I would say this. If you must disbelieve, then that is your prerogative. But a common sense will tell you after a careful examination of the teachings of either Krishna, Jesus, or Buddha, that here were three great beings, great eye shining like flames in the darkness, greater by far 
than the ordinary man. If common sense would tell you this, then the same common sense would tell you that to follow these great ones is far better than following any a foolish a politician, absurd dictator, or even a crowned head. If common sense tells you this, then it must also tell you too that now is your time to enter into the great spiritual adventure which will give you a chance to help your world, your country, and yourself. And that is it. It is a great spiritual adventure that we're all on. I hope you now have a better understanding of why the Ethereum Society was brought into existence and what we do. Thank you very much. Those of you who have been coming to these five classes and to all of those of you who have been listening in podcast land. And lastly, my thanks to you, Chrissy, for joining me with this series. Thanks, Paul. Thanks thank for you. putting together this great series. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.